Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks. I hope you had a great weekend. Today is Mailbag Monday, June 15, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 156th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Be sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it comes out each day, so make sure to go do that. Also, please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, as some good stuff will be posted there daily as well. By the way, this episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is brought to you by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Make sure to go to BuiltBar.com right now, as they are currently giving up to 50% off on all products, and all profits will be donated directly to charity. All right, so thank you again for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. To start off the show, I would like to talk about the announcement that came over the weekend from Sportsnet's Chris Johnston, which is that Las Vegas is expected to be the host of the Western Conference for the 2020 postseason. Now, this shouldn't come as a surprise, as Vegas has been the front runner to be the hub city for the West from the get-go for uh, some time now, and for a couple of different reasons. The main reason why Vegas makes so much sense is that they're able to house so many of the players with all their hotels. It has been reported that the MGM Resorts International is keeping several hotels off of the market, with the two current favorites being the Vidara Hotel and Spa and Delano, because the NHL asked for non-gambling and non-smoking hotels, which makes sense. Housing 12 full NHL rosters plus their staff, that's a lot of bodies. So a tourist spot like like Las Vegas, Nevada, fills that need perfectly. And uh, this is also just the safest way to ensure that nobody involved gets infected with the coronavirus, as players will be able to live in a quarantine household. They're available to testing at all times. They can also be easily transported to the nearby practice facilities by buses. So... All those things combined is why Vegas has been the favorite for the Western Conference for some time now, and uh, it was just only a matter of time before the announcement came. So that happened this weekend. Chris Johnson of Sportsnet was the one to break that news. Uh, And also the second main reason why Vegas makes sense is because T-Mobile Arena, it's a newer and pristine facility that's also prepared to handle the summer heat that will come with playing into August and possibly even early September. Vegas has been in the playoffs in both of their seasons in franchise history, so they've played in that summer heat, and the ice is not expected to affect play at all. So hopefully we won't see that uh, detriment the play too much because the last thing the NHL wants is to have the ice be horrible for both sides, and it's just sloppy play, which is horrible for the NHL's marketing. It doesn't broadcast a good brand of hockey. So I think Vegas is prepared for that, and they'll be ready to handle all challenges that come with, you know, dealing with 100, 105 degree weather when it's late July, early August, and you're having to play four, three, four games a day, possibly. So I think Vegas will be able to handle that. And I think the NHL also is confident that Vegas will be able to do that because they made this decision so early without announcing a hub city for the Eastern Conference as we transition into now. Their hub city is expected to be announced by June 22nd. But Chris Johnson also announced, uh, also reported that the news could come even sooner because the league wants to be able to make their travel plans as soon as possible. The cities that are currently being considered to host the Eastern Conference are Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, Vancouver, 
And last but not least, Sweet Home Chicago. The NHL uh, apparently prefers Toronto to be the second hub city, but it all depends on the quarantine rulings by the Canadian federal government, as there could be some travel restrictions limiting the NHL players from crossing that northern border. Toronto does make sense because they have a ton of housing options with all their hotels downtown. But as I just said, it's all going to come down to whether or not the Canadian government allows that to happen. If Toronto isn't on the table, I'm not too sure where the NHL would go. I've heard rumors that Columbus has been a league favorite and GM Yarmo Kakalainen has pitched the city to the NHL to be a host because of their adequate rink situation and uh, they also have hotels that are close to the arena and practice facility as well. The Blue Jackets practice facility is actually attached to Nationwide Arena where they host their home games. So that would make life tremendously easier for everyone involved during this tough adjustment period. So Columbus would make sense for those reasons. As for Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot sat down with The Athletic for an exclusive interview on Saturday to talk about Chicago as a possible hub city. And she said she was hopeful that the NHL will consider Chicago to be a host for the 2020 postseason. The problem is that Illinois, and in particular Cook County, isn't exactly the place to be right now because of COVID-19, although things are starting to look better and better by the day. But I still think there are just too many risks involved to put that many players in a potentially dangerous city. So for that reason, I don't think Chicago has a shot at being selected. I just don't think the risk is worth the reward. I get that Fifth Third Arena is located downtown and very close to the United Center. It would be convenient for players uh, to go practice there and be close to their hotels, easy transportation. But Illinois is one of the worst states in the United States right now with COVID-19. They're not in a good place, and they haven't been for the last couple of months. Illinois has been really rough. So uh, I don't think things are going to change tremendously in the next week or so when the NHL wants to get that announcement out. So I just don't expect... I don't think Chicago was a favorite out of that group of 10 or so, however many cities I just listed off. I don't think Chicago was a favorite out of that group from the get-go. I don't think really anyone expected Chicago to be the host. It's nice to hear Mayor Life would come out and say that she would be willing and accept with open arms to have everyone. But at the same time, I just don't think it's the smartest decision. Uh, we've seen other places. Pittsburgh has a better situation with COVID-19 right now. The Canadian cities are a little bit better and have uh, good housing options and practice facilities that are very close. So I just think there's a lot of things tying into why Chicago isn't the right place for the NHL to come in. And uh, I think for the reasons I just listed, Chicago isn't going to be the choice that the NHL makes. If I had to guess, I think it would be either Columbus or Pittsburgh. I think the decision will come down to whether or not the league feels that Columbus can host enough players. Uh, but if they feel they can, then I think they will go with Columbus. But if not, I think Pittsburgh makes sense because, as I just said, they have the, a low number of COVID-19 cases and they also have plenty full hotels. The only problem with Pittsburgh is that the practice facility is a bit of a drive from downtown. I read somewhere that it's about a 25 to 30-minute drive from where the players would be housed. But also, that's, that's better than risking player safety in a hazardous location. Uh, either way, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what the NHL's decision is going to be. 
Uh, we have to hear about that Canadian Canadian ruling. I'm not sure when that's going to come out, but I, I'm sure the NHL would like that to come out sooner rather than later, just so they can have all these plans set in stone and not just be scrambling last minute to kind of put everything together and making it work. So some interesting news from Sportsnet's Chris Johnson, uh, and I think we pretty much just covered all the information on Vegas being named as the hub city for the Western Conference. All right, coming up, it's time for another Mailbag Monday, where I answer some questions from a couple of lucky listeners live on the show. But first, I need to talk to you about Bilt Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Bilt Bar comes in a variety of different chocolate nut or nut-free flavors, such as peanut butter brownie, double chocolate mousse, and German chocolate cake, all of which are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are magnificent tasting and also health conscious, so you can enjoy a tasty snack while also staying fit. Most of the bars are only 110 calories, while they're all high in protein and high in fiber. What more could you want from a protein bar that tastes like candy? Bill Bar is also currently offering an insane discount deal with up to 50% off on everything due to an inventory closeout. So make sure to go to BiltBar.com to take advantage of that. Another awesome thing about Built Bar is that they are now donating 100% of their profits to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate and racism. So not only is Built Bar a terrific tasting and healthy protein bar, but they are also donating all their profits to a tremendous cause. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today to get a health conscious snack option and help be part of the solution. This is the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at Hockey. Also, make sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcasts and also on Twitter, at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, to get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. Okay, so we just concluded talking about Las Vegas being announced as the hub city for the Western Conference in the 2020 postseason. Now it's time to move on to our Mailbag Monday segment, where I select a few lucky listeners and answer their questions right here on the show. Today, I start with a three-parter that I got on Twitter from Nicholas Malone. Nicholas, thank you for reaching out, even though you asked me three questions, but I'd love to dive in and give you some answers. So the first question Nicholas asked, was how do you see this defensive course shaking out next season if Alec Regula is ready to make the jump at some point? So Nicholas, before I answer that question, I'd like to give out some information on Regula in case some of our listeners aren't too familiar with him. So Alec Regula is a 19-year-old right-handed defenseman that signed his entry-level contract with the Blackhawks back in November after being acquired in the trade that sent Brendan Perlini to the Detroit Red Wings. Remember him, Blackhawks fans? Well, Regula sounded like a pretty good return for a borderline NHLer, as the young 6'4", 205-pound 2017 third-round pick tallied 27 goals and 33 assists for 60 points in 56 games with the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League this year. Not too shabby. Regula was also co-captain of the Knights in what was his third year with the club, and after being one of the more dominant blue liners in the O, there's a pretty decent chance that he makes the jump to professional hockey next season. And if that were to be the case... I think he'd certainly need time down in Rockford before being ready for NHL hockey. He's still very raw in terms of his development at 19, 
and he's going to need some time to adjust to the speed and size of pro hockey as it's a lot different than playing against 17 and 18 year olds who are basically still growing up. And even if Regula is semi-ready, the Hawks have a ton of defensemen in the system already. You ready for the list of defensemen the Hawks have signed on for next season? <laughs> it's a long one. Here we go. Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Calvin DeHaan, Connor Murphy, Ole Mata, Adam Boquist, Ian Mitchell, Lucas Carlson, Nick Sealer, Nicholas Bodan, Dennis Gilbert, and finally, Chad Chris. So there are already 12 guys who are going to be pushing for time in both Chicago and Rockford next season. So I don't think there's a chance we're seeing Regula at the United Center anytime soon. And that may not be a bad thing. That's kind of the route the Blackhawks have gone with their uh, defensemen the last couple of years. We've seen that happen with Dennis Gilbert, spend about a year in Rockford, then kind of get his feet wet. So I think that's kind of the mindset the Blackhawks will have with Regula. And yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be a little bit of uh, an adaptation as he's playing against guys who are way bigger than he's used to. And for the type of defenseman he is, I think he's going to need some more time developing because we know what he can do offensively. We saw him light up the O this year, but he's not someone who's known for what he does in the defensive zone. He's not known for uh, being very good in the gritty areas. So I think time in the AHL will certainly help him learn and get better in those areas. So I wouldn't be too disappointed if we do not see Alec Regula in a Blackhawks uniform at all next year. That, that wouldn't be the worst case scenario. All right, so the next question that uh, Nicholas asked me was, uh, which, uh, it was, how do you feel about the Hawks drafting and developing players in the later rounds? Which is a really good question. And well, <laughs> it hasn't exactly been ideal over the last couple of years. Uh, I've never thought Stan's been great at drafting during his tenure with the Blackhawks, but he has gotten lucky in the later rounds uh, a few times in recent years. And by later rounds, I'm talking... Uh, anything after the third round. I think the fourth and on is what I would consider the later round. So the only time he's really gotten lucky, though, has been in that fourth round. We saw Lucas Carlson get drafted there, Philip Kirishev, and also Michael Tepley. But besides that, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds have not been pretty for the Blackhawks. And, and even when the Blackhawks did catch those breaks in the fourth round with those three guys, it doesn't seem like they're uh, progression had too much to do with their development program. We saw Kirishev jump onto the scene after a strong junior season, followed up by a dominant performance at the World Juniors. And then Tepley just had a mammoth season with the Winnipeg Ice of the WHL. So not too much of either of those guys' success has had really any affiliation with the Blackhawks. Maybe, you know, a, a couple weeks with them in the summer, but that's not doing all that much for their game. They're not consistently with the team. So I don't really know how much of that you can credit to the Blackhawks development program. And besides those guys, there's really not much else to talk about because the later rounds have been really poor to the Blackhawks. And that it makes me question their development program. And I don't know more so if it's the players the Blackhawks are drafting or if it's how we're developing them. But obviously, something isn't working. I, I mean... When was the last time the Blackhawks had a guy in Rockford developing for a while that came up and looked like he belonged? I feel like that hasn't happened in forever, especially in the forward department, and that's where the Hawks are really hurting right now. So, honestly, I've been pretty disappointed with the Blackhawks' prospect development the last few years, as the pipeline has really failed to provide the team with much help at all. I mean, you look at the Blackhawks' roster, it's mostly the core guys, 
people we traded for free agent signings and Europeans. It's not really guys that were in Rockford for two or three years that developed and became, you know, a, a corner, uh, corner piece, uh, a solid second or third liner. That hasn't really happened in the Blackhawks in the last couple of years. And as I said, I don't know if it's the drafting uh, or I don't know if it's the players we're drafting or if I don't, I don't know if it's the development, but obviously it's not clicking a hundred percent because we're really hurting in prospect depth and, Right now, it doesn't look like there are too many guys at the AHL level that are going to be joining the Blackhawks in the NHL next season. So, really disappointed with how Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks have drafted in the later rounds the last couple of years. The third and final question Nicholas asked was, who would you like the Hawks to take in this year's draft? Let's say they're selecting somewhere in the 7-12 to 12 range. Well, Nicholas, now would normally be the time where all I am thinking about is the NHL draft, but with everything going on in hockey postseason coming back soon um (laughs) right now I I can't really nail down which one guy the Hawks would like to take just because no one's really no one's locked in at what position they're going to draft at we don't know who's going at number one two three we don't know anyone at all so it's kind of tough to say this guy's going to take this guy we know this guy's or we know this team's taking this guy here so we know he'll be off the board so there's kind of just a lot of hypotheticals going around right now so for that reason, I'm going to throw out a couple prospect names that I think are realistic for the position the Blackhawks could be drafting in and uh, guys that I think won't be going earlier or uh, actually have a chance of being around when the Blackhawks do pick. So I am personally all aboard the Yaroslav Askarov train, the 17-year-old Russian goaltender that's been dubbed as the best goaltending prospect in the NHL draft since Carey Price. Some pretty high praise there for a kid of such young age. But if he's the real deal, I think the Hawks should absolutely take him, especially if they have a pick past number 10. The chance of the Hawks finding a number one center or a number one defenseman with that pick is not a guarantee, so I think taking a gamble on a potential superstar netminder is definitely worth the risk, especially because the Blackhawks have no idea what they're going to do with their goaltender situation after Corey Crawford. So now is a chance to solve that problem. Askarov has performed everywhere he's played, and he's still very young. And he just made his KHL debut at 17, which is absolutely nuts. So I think they should take Askarov if they're feeling risky. But if they somehow snag the 7th or 8th pick this year and they want to go the forward route, which I would totally understand, the guy that I love is Marco Rossi. He's got a lot of skill to his game, and he's hard to be knocked off the puck despite his short 5'9", 170-pound stature. And that was the thing I was skeptical of at first was his size, but the more film I watch on him and the more I read about him, the more I realize that he, he doesn't play like his size at all. And that could change in the NHL. It's a whole different league. But I love his heart and his fight. He's always been uh, ferocious and tenacious in the corners, even though he's always the little guy. And those are the little things you just can't teach. So some of you out there may be saying, yeah, the Hawks don't need another 5'9 scoring forward, though. But I, I don't think that big boy hockey would be too much for this kid. I don't think an Alex DeBrinkett comparison would be fair. I understand that you'd say that because this kid just scored 120 points in 56 games in the O, nearly two points a game, which is nuts. But he's gritty. Everything I read about him and when I watch him, he's a two-way forward. He's not afraid of the corner battles, and he likes to get his nose dirty. He'll go to the front of the net. Uh, He finds those soft areas. That's one of the things he does have in common with DeBrinkett. He finds the soft areas, but I think... The NHL game, and more so postseason hockey and gritty hockey, suits 
Rossi way more than it suits Dabrinkit. So I don't think it would be fair to just look at Rossi as a 5'9", 170-pound forward. I think there's more to him than just his size. And I know that it doesn't look ideal on paper, the Blackhawks having such a little top six. It, it could really hurt them in a more physical series. But I don't think having this kid on your roster hurts you physically. Everything that I've seen from him shows me that he almost loves it. Like He, he loves playing that physical style of hockey. He's got, he really doesn't get knocked off the puck easily. He doesn't get knocked down often. I read, read something, uh, I forget where I read it, but someone said he's got Sidney Crosby's legs. He's just got huge legs. So I, I know you guys see 5'9", and it might not be ideal, but with that skill set and that, you know, mentality to never say die, just going to fight and fight until you can't anymore. I, I love that. I love having those guys on the team. That's the kind of heart and soul you need to win a Stanley Cup. So if the Blackhawks are going to go the forward route, Marco Rossi would be my guy. But if they're feeling risky, I'd go with Askarov. And I think the Blackhawks have a bigger need at goaltender right now than they do at forward. So in my opinion, I would go with Yaroslav Askarov. But of course, a lot can change in the next couple of months before the NHL draft. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. All right, Nicholas, I think that just about covers everything you asked me. I hope I gave you the answers you were looking for, man. Thank you for taking the time to ask me those questions. I really appreciate it. Okay, before I move on and answer another question as part of Mailbag Monday, I need to take a moment and talk about something important real quick. The Lockdown Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Lockdown is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donations along with us, please visit LockdownPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. Also, I need to talk about RockAuto.com, the best place to shop for all your auto and body needs. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. That's RockAuto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen, we've all had our share of car problems. How much easier is it when you have an auto and body shop you can rely on? Well, rockauto.com has your back for all the car parts you'll ever need in any situation. One more time, check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection, and make sure to let them know the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, an auto and body shop you can trust for reliably low prices. I am Jack Bushman, your host of the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey, or you can also email the Locked On Blackhawks email, which is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions regarding the Blackhawks, myself, or simply just life in general. Thank you again for tuning in to Monday, June 15th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Now it's time to pick another lucky listener's question to respond to as part of our Mailbag Monday segment. This question came from TSF Trunk Jalen Johnson on Twitter, who asked, What trades will we see? Prediction? So this one is kind of a toughie because I don't want to be out here saying anything ludicrous, but there are some guys on the roster right now who will certainly be on the trade block come the offseason. 
The first two guys that come to mind are more likely to be bought out by the Blackhawks, but they, got, they could also be traded for for pennies on the dollar in return. Those two guys are Olimata and Zach Smith, both of which are not worth what they get paid and have beautiful buyout clauses in their contracts, which us Blackhawks fans love to see. One other guy, though, who was rumored on the trade block a few months ago was Dylan Strome, who really struggled in his second season with the Blackhawks this year, although it may have not been his fault. Strome battled a brutal-looking ankle injury in the second half of the season, and he was always jumbling up and down the lineup. He also moved from center to wing in the middle of the season, which really pissed me off that Jeremy Colleton did that. This kid is 22 years old and looking for some damn consistency on the ice, not different guys while moving positions at 22 years old. That move just never made sense to me. But yes, back in April, Elliot Friedman reported that Strom was on the trade market and one team who could be interested is the Buffalo Sabres. Friedman also stated that the asking price for Strom would not be particularly high, which made my blood boil a bit there for a second. I just think it's way too early to be calling it quits on Strom, especially considering the known chemistry he has with Alex Dabrinkit. This kid is still young and developing. He has two NHL seasons under his belt, for Christ's sake. Stan, how about we actually give a kid some time to show us what he's got? Not one season and call it quits like it's been for the last handful of years. I mean, we've been doing that for young with young talent in Chicago for way too long. It seems like every time we have an up-and-coming young guy and he has one bad season where he struggles a little bit. Stan Bowman's so ready to ship him out of Chicago. It's frustrating. He did that th same thing with Nick Schmaltz, and although the trade worked out for the Blackhawks and we're happy with Dylan Strome, originally when I just saw that the Blackhawks traded Nick Schmaltz after I believe it was 22 games last season with the team, when I saw the news right away without seeing what the return was, when I just saw the news that the Blackhawks gave up on Nick Schmaltz that fast, I was like, are you serious? Really? He struggles for 22 games and we're going to call it quits? I get, I get he's a pass-first guy and with Patrick Kane you want a shooter, but we really quit on Nick Schmaltz that fast and he's blossoming a little bit with Arizona. I mean, we'd probably still make that same trade over again. We like what we have in Dylan Strom, even though now apparently we don't, if apparently he's on the trade market. But... Uh, it's just annoying to see Stan Bowman in the front office quit on young talent that early, and I hope they don't make that mistake with Strom because it's come back to bite him in the ass a couple times now, and I would hate to say, I would hate to see that same thing happen with Dylan Strom. So unless the return is really good, trading Dylan Strom would be an L for the Blackhawks, in my opinion. I get that we have Kirby Doc now. But a potential center depth of Taze, Doc, and Strom would be unreal. It would be dumb to give up on that at this point and to give up on Strom's career at this point. as He he just he still has a high ceiling. We've seen what he can do. He is one year removed from nearly producing a point per game in 70-plus games for the Blackhawks. So we know Dylan Strom can produce. We know he has chemistry with Alex Dabrinkit. I think it would just be a dumb move to break those ties and call it quits at this point, especially if they're saying that the return wouldn't be particularly high. If you're calling it quits on Dylan Strom this early, you better get a good return. So that was annoying to hear that, but it's Stan Bowman, so can never be too careful with him in the summer. Uh, one other guy who could be dealt at the deadline is Brandon Saad, but 
there's kind of been those talks surrounding him for the last handful of years. And I feel like Stan likes Saad and would have traded him by now if that's what they wanted to do. Uh, I think Saad could get dealt at the deadline next season in the contract year if the Hawks are struggling, but that's really it. They they seem to like Saad, and I think they like him on the top line with Jonathan Taze as well. So I think that's their plan is to uh, go into next season with Saad on the roster. The big name to watch this season or uh, this summer in the trade department is Dylan Strome. He's the one that the Blackhawks have talked about moving with the big impact on their roster. And as we just talked about, Stan Bowman loves to make summer moves that (laughs) don't really appear to make sense at the time. It happened last summer with Yoki Haru and Alex Nylander. So definitely not out of the realm of possibility. We're just going to have to wait and see in the coming months. All right, so I got time for one more quick question on today's episode. And that question comes from Bob Bednars. Hope I'm not botching that last name, Bob. Uh, who emailed the Locked On Blackhawks email and asked, will Danny Wirtz officially take over for John McDonough? At first, I didn't think they would groom him for the role, but maybe they are, as that would make sense from Rocky's point of view. What are your thoughts? Well, Bob, first, thanks for taking the time to email in your question. I really appreciate it. And second, much like Dylan Strom, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Danny Wirtz here in the coming months. The son of Hawks chairman Rocky Wirtz Danny was named the team's interim president, kind of in a surprise move when McDonough was fired a couple months ago. But there clearly seems to be uh, some sort of long-term plan between the Blackhawks and Danny Wirtz. I'm not sure if it'll be as permanent president, but the Hawks clearly like what they've seen out of Wirtz in the business world, and it sure sounds like they plan to keep him around in some capacity. Uh, He still could get the long-term role of... Blackhawks president, but I just, I I think it's a little much for him. He doesn't really have a hockey resume or much hockey experience. Really, he's just been involved in the beverage industry as part of uh, the Wards Beverage Company. So I think that could cost him the job. I think it might be a little much for him at this point, even with Rocky help ease him into the position. Um, But I mean, with Rocky calling the shots, it would make sense for, you know, we've seen father go to son as his right-hand man plenty of times in the past. So it could happen with the Blackhawks. I don't expect it to happen, uh, but we'll see what happens in the coming months. It's definitely another situation to keep an eye on in the offseason. Uh, I don't think anything will happen pertaining this situation until the Blackhawks' 2020 campaign is officially over. I, I pl- uh, expect them to go uh, full steam ahead and focus on their on-ice product here in the next couple of months, and then once... The 2020 season is all said and done. Then they'll uh, assess everything then and uh, move on. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Mailbag Monday, June 15th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Make sure to give the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page a follow at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. And also be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it's out each day. And... After the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news about a potential return to hockey in the coming months. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account at JackBushman2 or my Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey. Or for any questions regarding anything at all related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can also always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. Also, thank you again to all of you who reached out and left a question 
Even if I didn't get to your question, please keep leaving them to me. I promise I'll get to them next week. I really appreciate you guys reaching out to me, and I love these uh, guest uh, interactive segments. I really look, look forward to doing more in the future. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your week, and thank you again for listening.